This episode is sponsored by Down to Earth Ice Teas. Our functional super teas are made from organic super herbs and adaptogens and contain no sugar, no preservatives, no food colorings, and range from only zero to 10 calories per bottle. Our beverages are USDA organic, kosher, vegan, non-GMO, and keto and paleo friendly. Finally, bottled beverages that you can truly trust. Check out drinkdowntoearth.com and use promo code PODCAST10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. Our guest today is Emily Frisella. Working from the age of 15 and starting her first business at the young age of 20, Emily knows firsthand the rise and fall of business, the grit, determination, defeat, joys, and triumphs that come with the title entrepreneur. Emily is the owner of the Paper and Plan Co. Company and the author of two best-selling cookbooks, The Fresh Farmhouse Kitchen and The Saint's Plate and The Sinner's Dinner Cookbook. In this episode, we discuss entrepreneurship, resilience, and how to efficiently set up your day to get you one step closer to achieving the life of your dreams. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth Podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hi, Emily. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. I'd love to know a little bit more about your story and what ultimately inspired you to become an entrepreneur. It was my dad. I grew up in an entrepreneurship family. He owned trucking companies and brokerage firms my entire life. I grew up on a farm as well that he also did all the farming on. So I was exposed to the entrepreneur lifestyle at a very young age, like since I was born. And I knew that's what I always wanted to do because I saw the hard work that went into it how much my dad like worked, loved for his like employees and what he did and what his hard work was able to obtain, you know, like the fruits of his labors, if you will. That's what I want to do. So at 14, I took a job at a local golf course and I was waitressing tables to save up money because I knew that I wanted to one, own my first house that I ever had. And then two, open a brick and mortar business. So I worked a couple jobs, saved as much money as I could from 14 until I bought my first house when I was 19. And then at 20, I bought my first brick and mortar business and opened up my... It was a luxury um, boutique flower shop. I did wedding rentals, tuxedo rentals. I did wedding planning, like basically you name it. So it was really all... My dad gave me the entrepreneur itch, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it's a journey. It's not linear by any means. So of course, a lot of people, especially when they're young, want to become an entrepreneur. And they think that the first thing that they're going to start is what's going to lead them ultimately to success. And many of us know that it's not a linear journey. So I'd love to talk a little bit about failure and what made you keep going when you did have like bumps along the road. Oh gosh, failure. Yeah, I've definitely had those. So <laughs> with with starting at the age of 20 having a business, you know, my dad was very successful and I just thought like, "Oh, cool, it's genetic. I'm just going to be successful." And you're 20, your ego, you think you know everything, and I soon learned that that was absolutely the opposite. So so I never asked for help. I never asked my dad's advice or anything. I was very stubborn and with this like 
it's mine. I'm going to do it. It's just going to be fine type of mentality. But I wasn't educated on business. You know, you can't go to college and learn from a professor that's never owned a business. They can teach you the practices, but not actually real world examples. The only way to learn that is to be like in the trenches. And that's exactly where I was fighting in these trenches because I didn't understand cash flow management, what terms were, and having credit with your business and managing employees and everything like that. So I got myself in a pickle probably about two years into my business. I want to say I had this beautiful showroom. I had all these like wonderful high end quality items that you couldn't really get anywhere else. And they were just, it was amazing. But on the back end, I was like, oh shoot, you mean I buy all this stuff and I have to pay for it in 30 days? Like what? Like this is, this is dumb. So, so anyway, I got myself into some trouble financially because what I did was, you know, it was back then where like, Internet banking wasn't a thing. It's you waited till the end of the month to get your bank statement, you balanced your checkbook, and that was it. And I found myself one day, I was working, I had six full time employees, and one of my employees came to me and she said, I just went to the bank and they won't cash my paycheck because they said there's not money in the bank. And I was like, what? You know, immediately then my ego like flares up and I'm like, that's, that's insane. Like, there's got to be something wrong. And I'm like, you know how you, when you know something's like wrong and you get like heat, you start getting like hot from your head down and you're like, oh yeah, oh Lord, what's going on? So I went up to the bank and they told me, they're like, no, you have $42.86 in your account. I was like, what? That can't be like, my books say this. And they're like, well, no, this is all you have. So I ran to my house, got my savings account and withdrew cash to pay all my employees and went back. And I was so embarrassed that I lied to them. And I said, the bank messed something up. I don't know what's going on. So I'm just going to pay you guys cash until they get this straightened out. You know, I'm going to pay our vendors that way as well. And they didn't know any different. They're like, oh, okay, I guess that's I guess that's what's going on or whatever. So I went into straight panic mode because I had been floating through my business for two years by this time of knowing that, you know, I know everything and I'm gonna be successful at this and all this stuff. Instead of taking the time to like step back and ask questions and learn from others and to watch, you know, other people. And I feel now on like hindsight, now people have so much more advantages because summits and conferences were a thing back then. Social media wasn't a thing back then. It was just Facebook pretty much. But now you're exposed to so many more people and you can see things firsthand. Well, I didn't have that. It was like this downward spiral. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And that right, that $42.86 ended up being the best gift that I ever had as an entrepreneur because what happened from that is where I got to be to growing a business now is because I learned how to be resilient and resourceful. I just like on a turn of a dime started doing all these things that I should have been doing the whole time and living in a state of resourcefulness and being resilient when I didn't have to. And I feel like that's a lot of um, issues that entrepreneurs have is they're high on the high and they're low in the low instead of like maintaining that hunger and that grit through the whole entire process. So long story short, through all the actions that I took immediately that didn't cost me any money, I'll tell you how far I went with this getting free advertisements because I couldn't buy any. I had hair down to like about mid-waist. I cut in our town paper. They used to put your photo in the paper for people that like donated their hair to Locks of Love. I cut my hair off to my shoulders to donate hair to get exposure in in our newspaper just to get... Because it said... Emily, owner of, and it had my business name there just to get some free advertisement. I cut my hair off. That's amazing. (laughs) I love it. So so I did that. And then in about nine months time, I went from the $42.86 to over $500,000 in that timeframe and then sold the business about two years later and was just at about three quarter of a million at that time, just from that big failure, because I realized like I have to hustle like that every single day. That's incredible. It was a wild time, but it's it's crazy now because I remember how scared I was at that time. But I really am thankful because now that that right there was like the biggest lesson 
to me as far as entrepreneurship. Definitely. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned resourcefulness because I feel like nowadays entrepreneurship is on the rise and a lot of people will start a company. They'll do a huge raise because now there's all these venture firms that are looking to get involved early on. And they don't really ever have to be resourceful because they're starting out with <sighs> millions of capital right away. Yes. If they make a mistake, they could just put a bandaid on it. So they're not really grinding and hustling and learning these little lessons. So I'm glad that you mm -hmm. mentioned the importance of being resourceful. I do agree with you is that there's when you're given the money, that's like giving a car with like the spare tire donut on. You still you don't know how to put the actual real tire on. You're just banking on what somebody else put on there, you know, 100%. and, and so it's something where, you know, you're not able to have those lessons that you really need to have those stumble and falls and to scuff your, scuff your knees up in the entrepreneur journey to have that. And my husband, and I always talk about that. Like these people that are just given this, they're rarely successful because they don't actually have to work for it or know how to actually utilize their funds in the best way that they can. They just do what they hear on the, on social media. That's like quote, right. Totally. And even with social media, which you can learn a lot with being on right. social media and following the right people. But a lot of people, especially our age, are just looking for that instant gratification. Like you mentioned, like those highs and lows, and they're just looking for those highs. And if they have mm -hmm. a low, that's it. They give up. Yeah. Because they, they lack that resilience. And I always say there's two types of people. You're either resilient because you're resourceful or you're resourceful because you are resilient. And it's identifying what pattern you fall into with that. Once you identify that, I feel like you can bounce back quicker, but you're right. People just give up because they're like, I just can't do this. You know, I work with a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients and the thing I hear is like, well, I want to grow faster. I want to do this. They want everything overnight. And that's just not the case. That can't happen. You have to put in the work. You know, most people, you guys know, it's like the overnight success to it was 10 years in the works, you know, and people yeah. always think that like people just rise from the ashes out of nowhere, but yet they've been quietly and silently executing day after day for years and years and years to get where they are. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you also mentioned ego quite a bit. And I know that there's yes. a difference between ego and pride. So I'd love for you to chat a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I always take, you know, pride and ownership, pride in having what you're doing and the appearance that you give others with your packaging, your product, you is, you know, how you carry yourself. That's pride. Ego is what is the downfall to us. It's the one that's, you know, it's like the grocery cart that runs over your heels. You know, it's just, it's there to get you when you least suspect it, but it's, it's the ego is a dangerous thing because you are always going to outgrow your ego. You don't know what you don't know. And that's where the ego comes into play as far as I know I'm right. I know this. I know that. But pride is where you're defending what you are really putting the effort and the confidence in. Like I take pride in my packaging of my products. You know, I want it to be an experience for people. I want them to like enjoy having this. But the ego is me saying, nobody cares. They're just going to love my stuff anyway. They're going to buy it no matter what. That's not the case. And our, and if I felt that way, if I let my ego drive me nowadays, I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't be successful or have a business whatsoever because I would be basically, you know, shooting myself in the foot with every action that I take like that. And, they, and a lot of people you'll see it on social media. It's all their ego to play. Like you're saying, like they see this stuff and they want it overnight or like they rent Lamborghinis look like it's theirs or they rent these private jets that are sitting on a runway for a one hour photo shoot to look like they're flying private. You know what I mean? It's their ego. Mm -hmm. They think it's their ego at work essentially. Totally. And I'm in the beverage space. I own a healthy iced tea brand and oh, cool. we do everything. Like we started from the ground up and, you know, I'm in the stores, fixing shelves, doing demos. And then I have a lot yes. of, you know, friends in the space and they like won't go near that stuff because they like having the business for the ego. They think it's glamorous and cool and baller, yep. but they're not willing to do the dirty work. 
Yes. No. And I love that you do that because that's the truth. It's like, because you're clearly taking pride in your product. You want to make sure it's showcased well, that the labels are facing forward, that, you know, exactly. it's in the eyes. And I knew someone else that was in an energy drink type of business. They would go into the gas stations and move theirs from the bottom shelf to the eye level one and switch <laughs> the cans to try to get more visual space and stuff. But you're right. A lot of people, and I think that like having being entrepreneurs now, because it is like a quote, like a buzzword and a hot topic, it's all for ego. Like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything. You learn a lot too, because you're interacting, being in the stores, you're interacting with the people that are selling your products. There's so much resourcefulness in that alone versus just Mm -hmm. paying someone else to do that quote unquote dirty work for you. Right. Exactly. Well, shoot, I even do that. I'll see people that I'll be in the grocery store. I'm like, oh my gosh, you should try this. This is great. And like, if I know the person that like owns the company or something, they're like, really? But it's like, <laughs> I, but I genuinely do love the product. You know what I mean? But like you said, it's, it's you know, me, making those relationships and all that. Because what happens then is if that person, let's say the stock boy that stocks the tea on the shelves, if he he chats with you and knows you, and he's like, oh man, he's such a cool guy, blah, blah. When they see a customer looking at that, trying to make a choice of what they want, if the stock boy's there, he may say, or the customer might ask for recommendation, and he's going to use the relationship that you're building with him to promote your product for you. Definitely. It happens all the time. Yeah. It does. People take that for granted. They do. The, People really do because yeah. they assume that things just will sell on their own, but it takes a lot, a lot of back-end work for a product yeah. to just arrive on the shelf before it even sells. Exactly. And it's not just an entrepreneur in the true form is a relationship builder. That's what you are. And there's not enough people that are willing to build those relationships and put in the time to create a good experience as far as like in their journey. Especially now, because so many things are digital and especially Mm -hmm. with like the younger generations, they're not really learning from an early age, how to interact with people in like a social setting. It's more Mm -hmm. so just like digital messaging, things that are far more advanced than how it was when we grew up. So I feel like Mm -hmm. there's sort of a lack of understanding in the importance of building a relationship like person to person. Yeah, I agree 1000%. And a lot of people are like socially inept now because they're only used to engaging behind a keyboard. But I tell my clients and the women that I work with, and I always tell them like, Hey, I'm like, if the internet died tomorrow, how would your customers find you? Build your email list, make those relationships, make sure you're interacting, make sure you give them something that they want to come find you later if the internet does die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great way to think about it. I always speak yeah. with my friends that are like in the blogger space about that. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's great that this is your main business, but like if Instagram were to go away or, or one of these platforms were to go away, what would you do next? Right, exactly. And that's a thing that I don't think a lot of us, you know, th- they don't reflect on that. And because we are in such a digital age and it's kind of like the idea of it never being like having everything at your fingertips is out of sight for those people, but you just never, ever know what can happen. And the thing is the only way to be secure in what you're doing is to insulate yourself from competition, from everything else. And the way you do that is by building these strong relationships, figuring out ways that you can monetize things without social media. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all really great tips. (laughs) Thank you. Of course. Now, something I want to speak with you about a little bit is motivation. We see Mm -hmm. a lot of people struggle with sort of sustaining their motivation. They'll maybe Mm -hmm. it's like New Year's and they have some goals and they'll be really motivated for a week and then they'll have an off day and that motivation goes away. And being an entrepreneur or just somebody who wants to live their life to their full capacity, we know that it's really important to be able to sustain our motivation. So I'd love to know Mm -hmm. a little bit about how you do that for yourself. I actually um, am more discipline based. Mm -hmm. So the discipline builds the motivation for me. I know that, and for me, especially, you know, I do e-com, so I have orders that have to go out. So obviously I have to get those out every day so the customers can get their orders, but I rely on discipline for fitness, for my household, for business, for every single thing in my life. 
It's the discipline to do what I know I need to do to succeed and to knock out those pins every single day for a strike so I can win each day. And with that, when you become disciplined, you become more confident with the confidence, build your motivation. And then you can kind of swing on that because your motivation is going to be fleeting. Some days you're going to feel like it. Some days you're not. I'm sure we all can relate to when you're at home and you're doing something, you get like this like wild like hair to go do something else. You do this big organizing project or you you know reorganize your kitchen or you do something like that because you're motivated to do it. But that's not a daily thing. It was kind of a fleeting feeling. So that's where the discipline comes knowing, okay, you know what? This is the goal that I want. It's broken down into what I need to do each day to succeed. I have to do that or it's not going to happen. And by staying disciplined through my actions and everything that I do, that's how I gain my motivation, how I earn motivation. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, it's just creating those small daily habits. It's like brushing your teeth in the morning. You're not motivated yep. to brush your teeth every morning, yeah. but it's a habit that yeah. you've had for so many years and you just do it mm-hmm. every day. So it's the same right. thing when it comes to exercise or eating healthy or working on your business. And I always think about that too. I know everybody in the, and everybody can like think about like, let's say the diet side, the fitness side, people are like, oh, I'll start Monday. Oh, I'll start this day. They always put it off. But the thing is, it's not going to be easier if you wait longer. So why are you truly waiting? Like start today to get a little bit better each day instead of putting it off to the last minute or like two weeks before you have to go on vacation, start now. And that way, by the time you could take it, you could take it easy, build your discipline and enjoy it along the process instead of just this grueling grind. Totally. And I think a lot of people are kind of like all or nothing or Mm -hmm. just like, if I'm not perfect, then I'm a complete failure. And I (laughs) think that's why they never really actually start. I agree. And with that, I feel like it's a sense of overwhelm. You know, it's kind of paralysis by analysis. You have so much to do. You don't know where to start. So you don't start. And with that, it's breaking it down into, okay, what, what I tell people to do is what's going to get you the quickest return. So that in any capacity of your life, you know, is it straightening up your desk space to make sure to make you feel more at peace and more calm. Yeah, that's a small win, but it, it can parlay you into the next action, the next action. So what is the ROI on your actions to build that confidence within you to realize you're seeing a difference? Because a lot of people they want instant gratification. And a diet and fitness is not instant gratification. That's all that's more of a long road for that. But it's taking small actions in your life to realize like, okay, I'm working towards this. I see a result of this. Let me keep working. And those little steps add up to these like huge strides over time. And then you look back and you're like, wait, that wasn't so bad. Or that time wasn't terrible. Or, you know, all that time went by so fast. I was thinking the other day, like my first cookbook came out five years ago and I'm like, man, that time just absolutely flew, you know? But at the time, if you tell somebody it takes five years, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that's so long. But now I like, feel like I blinked and it's five years later. I know. And that's why it's nice to sort of keep a tab or like a journal of all your daily things. Cause then you could look back and see the whole process. And I know that mm-hmm. you created a really awesome planner and that yeah. you personally love to plan. So I'd love to know a little bit more about what inspired you to create this and how you sort of like to plan things out for yourself. Well, I am just a very like OCD organized person. I like to know what is on my schedule and I've always been that way. I remember even, um, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. I organized my mom's pantry and, um, my mom and dad had like all their pantry shelves and I took labels, the Tupperware labels they used to have. And I labeled each shelf like A, B, C, D, E. And I made a color coded key that was on the door of like A, C or like A3 has Ritz crackers. And like, I made this whole organizing (laughs) chart. And then with planning, it actually got me out of, in school, I was, uh, I took a lot of different classes and I would be in another teacher's class one day. And I had a very organized planner. And one day I was in the other teacher's class instead of my actual assigned class. 
And the uh, superintendent called me in like three days later and I was going to get out of school suspension for skipping class. But I looked at my planner and I was like, well, actually I was in this person's class with permission, blah, blah. And he was like, I wish all students were this organized. It would save me a lot of trouble. So with this, I just have always loved planners. And one day I was like, Andy and I were talking and I'm like, why don't I just start a whole planner company? I have a whole line of everything, everything that I love because I'm just so passionate about it. It's truly just who I am at my core. And I love to share that with people. And one of my biggest practices is using a priorities, needs, and wants method where I have people write down every week. I do planning on Sunday, like write down all your priorities for the week and then write down all of your needs for the week, what you need to do. And then write down everything you want to do. And then what I do is I take that as like my main key and I fill in my planner for the whole entire week with my priorities to make sure everything I need to get done with business, personal life, you know, fitness, whatever is done. Then I go through and go through my needs and see where I have room to put those needs in that aren't super urgent, but I want to get them done that week. Then if I have time that week, then I add in some of my wants. And if I don't have time, then I roll those once over to the next week. And it's just a method that I've used for years that allows me to really enjoy my life, enjoy the journey and not feel like I'm grinding and getting two hours of sleep and post on Instagram, how no team, no sleep and all this other crap, you know, like sleep is very important and I treasure it. So I always make sure that I get at least, you know, get eight hours of sleep every single night. And by staying organized, you're able to accomplish more in less time and you're way more effective in your business. 100%. And something we had spoken about earlier was, you know, the feeling of overwhelm or people who procrastinate. And I think if you actually write out, like you said, in a planner with everything that you need to get done, your priorities, your needs, and your wants, you're much Mm -hmm. less overwhelmed. You're kind of going through everything a lot more seamlessly. Right. You're able to actually get a lot more done and still prioritize your sleep and all those daily health habits. Yeah, absolutely. And that's important with your goals though, too, to like, we all set these goals, but yet we don't actually execute on the micro level of what it takes for these goals. So I always tell people goal set backwards. If you have um, a deadline of let's say November 12th, what do you have to do from working backwards? November 12th is a deadline. Okay. So what do you have to do leading up to that? How much time does each of those takes? When you set these big goals for your business or anything in your life, Figure that out and calculate that because then you're able to put that in your planner, whether it's written planner, like old school, or if it's a digital that you know, like, okay, well this week I just need to write X, Y, Z and get this to the printer or whatever it might be. That way you are at ease reaching your goals every single week because you took the time and it might take an hour or so to sit down and really break down your goals. But it's amazing how much more you achieve and the greater um, capacity you reach your goals, you're going to fulfill your goals a lot more quickly than you plan because you're setting up the actual action steps for that. I feel like so many people set these lofty goals of what they want to achieve. Well, okay, I want to have a million dollar a month. Well, how are you going to do that? What's the plan here? You can't just like keep thinking, I'm just, I just want it. I just want it. Yes, manifestation, visualization is key, but we need to be working too. That's the other half of it. Right. Like, oh, I want to lose 15 pounds. And it's like, okay, well, what steps are you going to take to get there? Right. Yeah. And it's not 15 pounds. It sounds like that could be a lot to some people. It could be a little to some people, but are you going to be changing your diet habits? Are you going to be drinking more water? Are you going to give up soda and the 10 pumps of whatever they have at Starbucks? I don't know. I don't don't drink coffee, (laughs) but, but whatever they have there, what are these action steps you're going to take for that? And then Once you lose those 15, you're going to say, wow, that wasn't so bad because you went in with a goal. You went in with a plan and you went in to achieve that. And it feels really, really good to know that you're in control. And that's a lot of, I feel like what it is, it's knowing you're in control of your body. You're in control of what you're taking in. And when you take in good, you're going to be putting better things out into the world, whether it be your, you know, your mental health, your emotional state, your physical health, everything. So it's really taking care of yourself and making sure that you're working to achieve those goals daily. Definitely. And I've also heard you say, do first what you don't want to do most. 
Yes. <laughs> which, which I think is super important. And a lot of people first start off with like a nice easy task or something that they're looking forward to the most. But mm-hmm. as we know, as the day goes on, fatigue does set in. So it is good to sort of start with the hardest task once in a while. Yes. And it's funny because I'm sure you guys have experienced this as well, but that's a, I keep that quote as a reminder to myself because I'm someone like, oh yeah, you want to knock out the easy stuff, but then you get so tired. You're like, I just don't have the energy to do this pain in the butt task. you know. So a couple of years ago, I got that. I had it framed on my desk and I'm like, okay, just get in. I do the hardest thing first because then the rest of my day is such a breeze. It puts me in a better mood because I don't have this looming gray cloud of this task that I'm going to hate. But oftentimes what it is, is I think we've all done this is where you build this task up to be this like huge monumental pain in the butt. You don't, you don't, don't want to do it. But then when you actually do it, you're like, wait, that took like 15 minutes. Like, why did I put that off? It wasn't so bad. Always. <laughs> yeah. And it's you so spend more so time now, stressing about it than it actually absolutely. takes. Yes. Yes. So it's just something where I just always remind myself like, okay, what is the worst thing I have to do today? And I just knock it out first because in the morning, you know, you're more alert, you're ready to go. And it just sets the tone for the day. Then the rest of the day seems like a cakewalk after that. Definitely. No, I think it's a great tip for everyone to, to try to implement. Thanks. Now you have two amazing cookbooks and I'd love to know a little bit about what inspired you to write them. Okay. So, well, I grew up on a farm and like I had mentioned, and I was an athlete my entire life through college, I played volleyball. So when you're an athlete, you know, you're training a couple hours a day. I could eat whatever I wanted. Growing up on a farm, you know, we'd have chicken fried steak, fried chicken, gravy, bread, you name it. We had old school. My mom was a huge cook as she would always like make full course dinners every single night. And I realized that after I stopped playing volleyball in college that I couldn't eat like that anymore. And I gained about 15 or 17 pounds because I was still eating the way that I was used to my entire life because I played sports since I was like a little kid. And uh, one day I was just like, man, I, I just need to lose this weight. I just, it's, I don't, I feel comfortable, but I didn't want to eat the typical like cardboard that was the quote diet food. You know what I mean? It's like plain grilled or boiled chicken with rice and broccoli and no seasoning or anything like that. It just, it just grossed me out the thought of it. So I was like, I need to recreate these recipes that I loved when I was a kid and growing up, but do them in a healthy way, you know, make it to where everybody could create them easily, no matter what their skill level is in the kitchen, make them affordable where you can go to any store and get it. Because growing up on a farm, the closest Walmart was like 30 minutes away. So we didn't have access to like fancy stuff. You know what I mean? Like these exotic ingredients that some of these recipes call for. So I started looking around at different healthy cookbooks and stuff. And I didn't like any of them because they were either, again, exotic ingredients or it was just too expensive to make, too time consuming. And finally, I just was like, I'm just going to start a little little Facebook group and I'm going to post healthy recipes as I make them, whatever. And that's where it started in 2013. And then I started writing these recipes and I was working a full-time job at the time. And I would write recipes on the weekends or at night after I would try them and I would calculate all the macros in them and the nutrition facts. And I would post them to my Facebook group and people were very responsive to that. And finally, one day I was still working in my career. I was an operations and accounting manager at a graphic design firm. And we were on Christmas break for a week. And I was talking to Andy about it. And this was in uh, 2015 or this is 2014 Christmas. And he's like, why don't you just quit your job and finish that cookbook and just do your cookbook? And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? So we had that conversation of me leaving my career and pursuing my dream to publish this cookbook. So when I went back in the first part of January, I let my boss know and I left there in February, the end of February in 2015. And then my book came out um, about six months later and that was the first cookbook. And then my second one I wrote is all, it's all clean eating, healthy recipes, 
But the second one is called The Saint's Plate and the Sinner's Dinner. And I did a double cover on it. So half of the book is all clean, healthy recipes. And the other half is like more indulgent, not necessarily like quote, like super like sinful, high calorie, but they're just ones that like are more like a treat meal. So it's kind of a best of both worlds type of situation because a lot of people that eat well, as you guys know, it's like, you'll have like a cheat meal or a treat meal. People call it this way. They got the, but they got both cookbooks in one book. So definitely it's all about balance. It is. It really is. And it's so inspiring because I think some of the best businesses are really built on. You saw that there was a lack in the marketplace for finding these healthy, accessible recipes and you created that. Well, thank you. And I just, it's just something where I just, I wanted it for myself and I noticed other people wanted it. So I was like, okay, let's give this a go. (laughs) And that's what business really is. I feel like a lot of people feel that if they're going to start something, they have to start something in an industry that's booming or growing. And a lot of times you see people start projects and businesses that they aren't really passionate about. And something Mm -hmm. that I see with your story a lot is like, even with your passion for planning from a young age, you built a business around that and your passion for food Mm -hmm. and recipes. I feel like people out there that really want to create something have to realize that they are the way they are for a reason and just figure out what your passions are, what you're drawn to and build something around that. Absolutely. You know, your passion has to lead you, not your paycheck because people get into business and as an entrepreneur, like, oh, I just want to make money. That's the quickest way to not make money. If you go with that mindset You have to be passionate about it because nobody talks about how gritty and unglamorous that when you're an entrepreneur, their life is, you know, it's not like what you see on Instagram, you know, it's a lot of super late nights, stress, exhaustion, and concern and excitement. Like it's everything rolled into one and you have to be passionate about what you're doing to pull you through those dark, crappy times of entrepreneurship. And if you go into it, just money-based And I think that's why a lot of people give up so quickly. They're not passionate about it. They just think like, oh, I bet you I can make a lot of money with this and it fails them. hundred percent. And I think a lot of people don't see what the sacrifices really are of an entrepreneur and the day-to-day challenges that they face. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, it's social media has falsely painted this beautiful picture of like, I get to do whatever I want. I can go on the beach and I can do this or that. That's not the case. It's responding to customer service emails. It's leading your team. It's, you know, cash flow management, it's new product releases, it's Facebook marketing, it's it's everything. You know, you're there's so much that goes into it that, that is not talked about. And I feel like if if somebody like followed someone like a, an entrepreneur in their life, like a real day in the life of, people be like, you know what, maybe I'll just stay where I'm at. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Nine to five sounds pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you can clock out and that's when the work ends, that's glamorous, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can be for a lot of people. That's why not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur and that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have not, and you're right, not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. And I also feel like there's this weird social pressure to convince people that they're meant to be an entrepreneur. And they're not. It's very simple. You either have it or you don't. And that's what it boils down to is you're going to work and you're going to grind and you're going to love it. And you're going to be in the trenches with your team. You're going to be a problem solver. You're going to create something that's going to impact people's lives. And you have to be so insanely thickly passionate about this to make it work or it's not going to. And those are people that just don't have it. Absolutely. And a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've met, they actually enjoy the grind and the problem solving all the day to day. They actually like that more so than the fancy cars and the private planes. It's a sick disease. I swear. I wrote a post about it a while back of like, people would call us crazy, but you wouldn't have it any other way because it's like this weird addiction to chaos and like figuring things out and problem solving and all this stuff. But it's like, you thrive off of it. Yeah, no, it's so true. <laughs> it's like an entrepreneurship's drug of our entrepreneur's drug of choice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what fuels us. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm curious how you start your mornings. What does your morning routine look like? I'm a very, I'm a slow morning, fast day type of person is how I describe myself. So we stay up pretty late. So we don't get up until usually around eight or eight 30. And then I get up, I always take all my supplements for the day. I make a little pit stop into my office, check email, just kind of get a little gauge on my day. I double check my planner the night before. And I also look at it again in the morning. So I know just what that day looks like. And then I write in my, I have a little gratitude journal that I just keep. I write down three things that day that I'm grateful for. I start my day with that because it just kind of sets the tone. Then I take care of my dogs, you know, feed them, take them out to go potty and such, and then take on, get all my supplements done. And then I get ready for the day, shower, brush my teeth, do my hair, all that kind of stuff. I work from home a lot. And I, if you're a woman, you work from home, you know, getting dressed and doing your makeup and your hair every day makes a big difference working from home. I know that sounds so weird, but you know, being an entrepreneur at home and working in your pajamas, you're actually not as effective, you, you know, cause when you feel good, you perform good. So I always tell that to women when I tell them like my morning routine, cause people think you just like hang out all day in your pajamas, which I'm not going to lie. That would be super nice, but I just know that I'm more productive whenever I get ready. Like I'm I, you have to be ready for something at any moment in time. You know, if you text me and said, Hey, let's jump on a video chat. I want to be ready to pursue that opportunity right then and there. So I get ready. And then I go back in my office and I work for a couple hours in my office. And then I come up to our headquarters and I work out for the day. And I work with my team, both for the media company and then also for my paper and plan co because our, we're, our warehouse is here as well. So I work with my team, see what's going on, have little one-on-one meetings with all of them to see what's going on that day. What do they need from me? How can I help them to make their job better? And then I just kind of go through the daily stuff. I love that. And I love that you do a gratitude list. And I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of people kind of get overwhelmed with that. But why do you think it's so important to start off your day with some gratitude? Because your day can get go to hell in a handbasket very quickly. And when you are really reflect about what you're grateful for, and it doesn't have to be these deep, meaningful things. Mine is just like three little lines of what it is. And I kind of think on that person. So if it's like, you know, I'm grateful for my dog, I'm grateful for comfortable sheets or a roof over my head or whatever it is, you know, it's those little things of like, you know what, these things on this list make my life better and enrich my life. And I'm so grateful to have this. And it's also kind of a double whammy for me though, too. It's not just me reflecting and showing gratitude and being grateful for the life that I have and the people in it, but it also is a motivator for me to see, see, you know, oh, it's my dogs, it's my husband, it's my nieces or whatever it might be that I want to pursue my full potential that day because of those people on that list that I create. Absolutely. And dogs are definitely something to be grateful for every single day. And yours are so cute. (laughs) I'm so obsessed. I'm such a psycho dog mom. It's like disgusting. (laughs) So it seems like your day is pretty structured with planning and all that. And some people Mm -hmm. would think, well, if it's so structured, I feel like there's no freedom, but it's actually structure is, it, it seems like it's actually equivalent to freedom. That's what I always say. Yeah. Structure equals freedom because I build my days and what's going to, and I don't have my days booked 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. It's, I don't like to book myself like that because that's immediately gives me anxiety and overwhelm when I see a full planner. And I used to think having a full planner meant I was busy, which meant I was going to be successful. Absolutely false. I now try to say, okay, how can I be most effective? I have my top five things I do every day, and those are my priorities. And then I do my regular business tasks, my fitness, whatever it is. And then I have certain things where, like, you know, if it's Tuesdays and Thursdays, that's when I'll do, you know, podcasts, things like that. Or if it's Wednesdays, I have certain things. I have certain days of the week that I do specific things where I still have a few hours each day that I'm available for. Something always tends to come up, you know, in business. There's always some emergency every single day, something to a fire to put out or 
more emails to do or something. So I like to allow myself a little bit of flexibility in that and not have myself so booked out where if I get caught up at a meeting five minutes late, that it throws off my entire day. I used to do that and I absolutely hated it. And I lived with like this like anxiety and I didn't understand why do I feel this way and so much anxiety when I'm so organized and so planned. It's because I was literally planning. I swear, I it sounds so weird, but to look like I was so busy and such a huge like grinding entrepreneur that I had mm-hmm. this full schedule. That's that's not it. Busy is not a badge of honor. For sure. And I see that all the time. People will come and be like, oh, I'm so busy. I have back-to-back meetings. And I feel like a lot of people, especially women, I feel like have this pressure to feel like they're always busy or doing something. Yeah. And I don't know. I noticed that as well. And I don't know if it's because of the space we're trying to say like, Hey, I can hang with the boys or what it is. You know what I mean? I just, I think it's a competitive type of thing or like, Hey, I'm just as good or Hey, I'm a hustler. And I feel people are competing to have the image of this hustle and this grind where guess what? You could have two meetings a day or one meeting a day and just text people the rest. Like meetings are not necessary. There's very few things you have to have these long meetings for. Other than that, my teams, we solve everything via text or through email. And it's so much quicker and efficient because we get to the point of the process. There's not these like long meetings where you got to have like coffee and donuts and like chit chat and banter and all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, let's get the job done. Everybody moves on and everybody appreciates that a lot better too. Cause t- people have too much stuff going on now. Yeah. And those long meetings, a lot of times are just to feel important. I think I heard exactly. Warren Buffett say that like his year is made up of two important decisions a year. That's literally yeah. all he focuses on. And he's one of the most successful people. So I feel like a lot of those yeah. crazy meetings, long meetings are just to feel important. I agree 1000%. That's an ego feeder. You know, they want to be like, Oh, sorry, I was in a meeting. Like, okay, that's fine. But you didn't have to tell me that, you know, you you don't need to have all these needs. Cause I think a lot of young entrepreneurs think that how it's done is because especially in movies, you know, you see all these like successful people and they're always like in these huge board meetings or they have this board of directors or all this other stuff. And it's not necessary at all. Like it's amazing how much you can achieve from just your cell phone and sitting in your chair. You don't need to have all this fancy stuff. (laughs) I'd rather spend more time getting ready and looking good in the morning Yeah, and then just being efficient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause we always tease cause people ask Andy cause at our old headquarters, he gave up his office to someone cause they were growing and they're out of room. He worked from a recliner and a cell phone the entire time for years, you know, and get on his computer when he needed to. But other than that, he ran, he could run the entire business just from that. And people think you have to have this like fancy, crazy office and all this stuff to do. You don't. It's it's about what's your drive? How are you going to achieve things and how effective are you going to be and how productive? It's about being productive. It's not about being busy. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And you also run women in business workshops, which I think is absolutely yes. incredible. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that. Yeah. So I just got super tired of seeing all this like woo-woo and glitter stuff where like mm-hmm. all this like I'm trying to think of how I can say this like delicately, I guess, like it was this, I'm all for like female empowerment. Don't get me wrong, but it was always done in a way where it was like so feminine, where it was like glitter and unicorns and bubble gum and all this stuff. And then the boss babe stuff, like, um, you know what I mean? It's like, you can be yeah. a boss. You don't have to, you don't have to say what gender you are. You know what I mean? Like if you want to hang with the boys, you got to hang with the boys and not cry because you're a girl. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's putting in the work and the effort to com- to compete. And I was just really tired of seeing all these like girly events because there's some stuff that like, I would love to go to, but I was like, this is just not my vibe. You know, this is not my kind of people where we're singing Kumbaya around the campfire and we're going to like crochet some throws or something after dinner. Like, it's just not my thing. I'm like, I want to have an event that's just badass. That's for these women that just want to come in, get the education. They're going to do what they need to do to succeed and move. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to have all the other stuff along with it. 
And it was, it's my, this is my third year doing it. I'll, I'll have my next one here in June, but it was just wildly successful. Just because, I mean, because the women they're craving that. And I saw there was like this like hole in the market for that. And I mean, I have a wait list now because my tickets sold out in 15 minutes for this year's event. And I have a wait list going now. Someone hoping that there's a cancellation to be able to get a ticket because women want that. There's a lot more women that want to know that they're, they're strong and they're achieving what they want to achieve. And they're going after their goals without having to be wearing a glitter shirt or something like that along the way. It's basically just like some, just some badass women that are just, they're a little bit more like alpha or they have a little more like masculine energy where they don't want that. You know what I mean? They just want to go hardcore all in, learn from the best and, you know, achieve that in their business. Right. And I really actually like that you mentioned that with women supporting women, because Mm -hmm. you're not competing against women. You have your business, you're working with men, women, And I think that there's, you're marginalizing yourself into a group that you don't want to be in that you're trying to fight to get out. So it's kind of like that double standard doesn't really make sense. So I love that you're doing that and you have that little niche for women who just want to prioritize their business and work hard. Yeah. And the women supporting women, you know, it's crazy. It's like women tend to get catty or drama or something. But the thing is all the girls in this group are so awesome. There's literally zero drama, zero, nothing. It is so, so awesome. We've all helped each other grow because we all use each other as we're Pearls. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you need fitness. I've got, you know, Moveo Fitco. She makes this. Da, da, da. Oh, you need supplements. I've got this. Or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like insurance person. I've got that. Like everybody helps each other grow. And that truly is like women supporting women. Cause it's, it's not, they're not just giving it cause it's their girlfriend. But it's like, okay, they know that they're the best. They know they're driven. They know their personality. They know how they are. And they're proud to refer them to people. And I love hearing that because I feel like a lot of times when you see like women supporting women or a lot of these workshops or people posting things like that, it's actually the opposite. Yes. They're actually like the most competitive and the least open about how they got to where they are. So I like that you're focusing on actually creating a community where people really do help each other and they're putting their money yeah. where their mouth is. Right. It's not the secret keepers group. That's what I call it. It's like you get in those and nobody wants to really tell you what their secret sauce is, you know, mm-hmm. or nobody really wants to tell you what this is. So like, you're not actually helping someone. And then it's just the cattiness and the drama. I'm just, I'm just not about it. Now we know that you're also really passionate about health and wellness and business takes discipline. We also find that a lot of people that are successful in business also translate that discipline to their daily life, to their lifestyle, mm-hmm. their diet, their fitness routine. So I'd love to know a little bit more about how you sort of see your wellness and your fitness and nutrition tying into just your overall lifestyle. Oh my gosh. It's not even just a tie. And it is my lifestyle simply because if I don't work out, I don't feel as good. I don't perform as well. It is a huge, huge catalyst for everything that I do because there'll be times where I'm busy. And I know you guys get this is that, you know, you're busy in your business. You're like, Oh, you know what? I'm just not gonna have time to work out today. I've got to get this done. Well, I'll have, you know, two or three days of that. And then I just realize like, I'm just not on my game. I don't feel sharp. I feel tired. I feel more sluggish. And it's because I'm not taking my care of myself and not making myself priority. And it's in those times where I'm like, you know what? Okay. I just got to go work out. So I'll feel that. And I'll walk into the gym, hop on the treadmill and do, you know, a hit session or something, or I'll just, you know, start my workout. And then once I start working out, I feel so good that I'm there. And it gives you a sense of pride of like, okay, you know what? I'm able to do this. I can tackle my day. Now I'm taking care of myself because when you take care of yourself, you take better care of others. You take better care of your business. You take better care of everything. So putting yourself a priority is not selfish. It's necessity. Hundred percent. And you know, when we were talking about prioritizing and kind of doing the most important thing first, for me, that's working yes. out just because I know that once I work out, I'll be so much more efficient in everything else that I have to do. So even if I'm really busy and I'm like, sleep is important, but I might just have to wake up an hour earlier just to get it done so that I can be more efficient throughout my day. Yeah. Hands down, absolutely. And that's why that's why I like to do too is like after I get ready in the day, then I like to come to the office, 
and our gym is here and I work out. Then I go in the back and like I said, and work with my teams and work with them in the office here because I know I can be a better leader for them if I take care of myself first. And then also I know it's out of the way for the day. I don't have to worry about timing it or you know working out my schedule for the rest of the day. Definitely. And a lot of people think that taking care of yourself is selfish. I really think it's selfless. People always joke with me. They're like, you have three businesses and you're spending hour and a half working out. Like, how does that make sense? And I'm like, you don't understand. This is what allows me to do what I actually have to do. Yes. Yes. That is such a good point. It is a selfless thing because I feel like that's a, like a, that's an old mentality though, too, as far as people thinking like, Oh, it's so selfish. You're so vain. You're so this, no, I'm actually not. I'm just making sure that I'm around for the people that need me. And then I'm in good health because you know, you can't ever buy health is something you can't buy health and time. You can't buy a way out of it. You can't buy more of it. So like, why would you not try to be as healthy as you can to perform more? Because let's say you grind and you don't take care of yourself. You don't work out, whatever. And you do this for 10 years, but then you just totally just collapse. You know, your health is crap. You're, you know, overweight. You have all these underlying issues because you didn't take the time to put in the love for yourself to do that. So now your business is going to fail because you neglected yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot of people actually, if there is one silver lining with COVID and the pandemic is a lot of people are realizing that people got sick or had complications and it could have been people who had very successful businesses and it really affected anyone. It didn't matter how much money you had. So health is really number one when it comes to it. Yeah. And I do think that as well, like people really decide to put their health on the forefront because they realize like, Hey, if I'm healthy, I can help fight this. If I do get COVID But it's also, I feel like people found a love for it as well because they didn't have anything else to do. So they're like, well, I guess I'll work out. And so by default, people were getting healthy. So It's so true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They had more time to to sort of look into things and research things. And a lot of people assume that if you live a really busy, active lifestyle, you sort of just grab whatever food you can on the road and that it isn't a priority, but eating clean has such a large impact on how we perform. So how do you sort of plan out your meal so that you could ensure that you're staying healthy even while you're staying busy? So I always like to look at my week. This is something I do um, on Saturdays usually. I look at my week and figure out, okay, where am I at this week? Where am I going? And I make homemade protein bars or like no-bake ones because it's cold right now so I can leave my car and I don't have to worry about them like melting or anything like that. First form, we have our protein bar. So I always have those. I always keep two of them in my bag, no matter what, so I can make sure I get my protein in for the day because that's key. Like it's not just about getting food in, it's about getting the right macronutrients in and making sure you get those those protein numbers. That's the one thing I think is the hardest for people. It's easy to get carbs and fat. You can go through any drive-through and get carbs and fat, but to get proper protein amounts. So I like to look at one, what does my week hold for the midday area? Because that's always the part where I would always lack before because of like, oh, I'll just basically like eat something in the morning and I'll starve myself all afternoon and then eat a big dinner. You know, that wasn't right because I would, I needed more energy throughout the day to perform and keep my brain functioning and not like going haywire on me because I was so hungry. So I get up in the morning and I eat oatmeal and have a protein shake. And then I'll have um, a protein bar or something usually during the day because it's a quick grab and go. And then I make a healthy meal and I like to meal plan on Saturdays as well because I use a grocery shopping app and I will order all my groceries on Saturday for delivery on Sunday. So I have all my groceries for the week, what I need for both my meals to fit my diet and then also the food to fit Andy's diet that he has. And I make those work. So it could just be a lot of people get overwhelmed with like, well, my husband's on one diet and I'm on the other. It doesn't have to be that hard. If someone's doing keto, make the same kind of stuff, cut a little bit of the fat out and add a a complex carbohydrate for yourself, like baked potato or rice or something along those lines. And just a little planning goes a long way. I think that's what people don't understand. They think it's so much work. It's really not that much work. It's a little bit of preparation that's going to set yourself up. 
And eating clean, like you said, like it is such a huge key to everything that you do. And you're just going to feel better. You're going to operate better. Your skin's going to look better. You know, everything plays a role in what you eat, you know, and what you eat internally is going to show externally. So if you're a burger and fries, that's going to start to show externally as well. As far as like, you're going to, you know, gain weight, your composition, your skin's not going to look as clear, but when you're feeding yourself good whole foods and don't get me wrong, I enjoy pizza and having a beer and all that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong about that. I'm not some like crazy person that only eats like all clean food, but I always eat like 90% clean food. Cause I know how much better it makes me feel because after you eat clean for a while and you eat like fast food or something, you'll realize like, man, that stuff makes me feel like garbage. Yeah, no, it's so true. But it's just, I think planning is key. Cause I feel like now there's this whole move towards like intuitive eating and sort of just eating what you feel. But for a lot of people that isn't realistic, you have to plan your meals. You have to know what you're going to eat at what time of the day to ensure yes. that you're getting your proper nutrition. Yeah. And the intuitive eating, I love that people can do that, but I'm someone that I, I can't do intuitive eating. And I've been doing like a macro diet for probably seven years. And like, I don't count them all every day. I've gotten pretty good at it where like, I know if I got all my protein and I know what I have to eat to meet my macros and such. But if I want to tighten up, if we got like a trip coming up or something like that, then I will like start to really like calculate them out and I'll track them on an app and everything. But intuitive eating, it's not just eating when you're hungry. It's, it's knowing when are you actually hungry or when are you just bored, you know? And I tend to be a bored eater. Like I'm sitting at my desk. I want a snack. I'm a snacker. So <laughs> intuitive eating is not, not great for me because I'll be like, oh, I'm hungry. Yeah, I can eat, you know? <laughs> and also I found that I would lack my protein as well. I didn't get as much protein in at that time. Yeah. And I think it's also about, again, with the social media, don't look to see what Emily is doing, for example, because that might not work for someone else. So just kind of finding out like, okay, I am a snacker. Intuitive eating might not work for me. Let me try a more comprehensive like macronutrient plan and that's okay. And Mm -hmm. you can still get the same, achieve the same goals. On our podcast, we also call it the friend diet. Like you don't do the friend diet. Like Mm -hmm. if you, you know, I'm five foot 11 if I have a friend that's five foot and she's like, well, what diet are you doing? And I give her all my calorie levels and all that stuff. That's going to be too much for her because she's right. five feet and I'm almost a foot taller than her, you know? So therefore that plan is not going to work. So don't do your friend diet, find a diet that works for you. And more importantly, find something that's more of a lifestyle for you, because that's why I love macro dieting because I did clean eating for so long. And I just felt like it just wasn't, I love to cook too much. You know what I mean? And I cook healthy, but it's like on a strict clean eating plan. It was just, it wasn't enjoyable for me anymore, but I found a macro diet is like, this is something I can do all the time. Where if it was a day where I wanted to have a pizza and a beer at one of our our favorite restaurants, I could do that and still be within my goals, you know? So that's why I found like such like a love for having a macro based diet. Now for someone who's listening to this podcast and they're trying to look for more balance in their lives. Let's just say they're a mom, you know, they have kids, but they also want to prioritize their health, their business. What advice would you give to them? Audit your time. Number one, we waste a lot of time on stuff that we can't figure out how we wasted it. So I always say, write down everything that you did. And this can be just like a one to three day cycle of doing this. And what's your pattern? And this is where you need to refresh, reset, and get ready for like a quote new plan. So, okay. So you woke up at eight o'clock. Well, if you want to work out, let's work on going to bed 30 minutes earlier and waking up an hour early. I'm sorry, 30 minutes earlier. And then getting up an hour earlier, crank out your workout. If you can't get to the gym in an hour, cause your baby's sleeping, you can't obviously leave the house them sleeping, get online at night, find out an online workout that you can do at home. That's either body weights, or if you do have some weights at home that you can do and then do that. Okay. That's going to start your day. Right. And then where else are you wasting time at? Are you spending too much time on social media? Are you lollygagging around like you're laying on the couch and you're like, okay, I'll get up and fold that laundry and do this in a minute. Or are you taking actionable steps? 
And all this happens with just proper planning and realizing where we're wasting our time and finding the holes in our buckets and then plugging those holes to be able to take on more in our lives while feeling effective, but also rested. And that's, I feel like where the balance comes from. It's like, okay, I'm doing everything I can, but I'm not exhausted. Like this is a good balance. And I don't even usually ever use the word balance because I feel like everything's a blend and a bleed of everything, especially when you're an (laughs) entrepreneur. But for that balance, it's you're being effective and productive during your day. You're still getting your rest at night and achieving everything you need to do. That is what I would say is good balance. I really like that. And it's a time to kind of reflect because I think a lot of people go into robot mode and they just have these habits like we were talking about earlier that you don't even realize. Like sitting on social media, you can be sitting there for an hour not even realizing how much Mm -hmm. time you're wasting. So just kind of reflecting on where you're putting your energy and your time and adjusting that accordingly. Well, it's even just, are you making three trips to the grocery store during a week? Okay, well, how about you plan, take 30 minutes, plan that, make one trip for the week or use a grocery shopping app and have them sent to you because I only use a grocery shopping app now. And like I've saved, they have a little timer on it. I've saved 400 hours grocery from not grocery shopping. That's the time because they calculate your drive to the store, your time there shopping and your time home. So yeah, in three years, I've saved 400 hours. It's crazy. So much you can do with that amount of time. Exactly. And I always say like, that's how I buy time. I buy outsourcing things that don't cost me anything extra. Definitely worth it. (laughs) Now, in addition to your two amazing cookbooks, are there any favorite books of yours that have had a really large impact on you that you'd recommend, whether it be in business or just life in general? Yeah. So I love Atomic Habits. That's a super popular book. Mm -hmm. Um, I've read that a few times that came out. I love Leadership by John Maxwell. That's a great one. And then also the John Maxwell, the leadership's the Bible of leadership. It's really good. It's, it kind of, and I'm not like an overly like religious person. I'm very, you know, more like spiritual person, but it takes Bible teachings. It puts them into like, okay, this is how like for leadership and anybody that knows John Maxwell know like what a phenomenal speaker he is, okay. leader he is. And so I love, I just, I just actually got that one um, a couple months ago and I'm really like into it because you can just read little bitty passages. It's not like a sit down and, you know, a long read book. I also love for leadership books is the four agreements is great. Yes. And then also the five love languages. Now that may sound weird, but hear me out. So I like that because four agreements, if you have not read it, buy it. It's like $7 on Amazon. It'll change your life. It'll show you not to get offended when people say no and not to take, you know, their um, behaviors to heart. So that helps you in the leadership role, but also five love languages. It brings alertness to the people around you and how they respond to what you do. Is it someone that needs just, you know, words of affirmation to say like, Hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. Like I really appreciate having you on a team. Is it someone that likes, you know, little gifts or something? It makes your senses aware of the people that are on your team and how they respond to things. So you can better manage them in a way that they are going to resonate with. And that's so important because everyone reacts to things differently and is structured differently. So it's good to know how to best communicate yeah, with people. Yeah. Cause some people, you know, you might think, okay, well, People are, you know, they would just want to raise everybody's money driven. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's just, you know, do they want public recognition? Do they want you to shout them out in your company meeting, you know, or is it just you writing them a card of they did a good job? Like people respond very differently. So it's nice that you can, you know, to kind of, when you read that book, you'll be like, oh, you know, that's this person or, oh, that's this person. Totally. I have to read that because we're all motivated by different things. So good to Absolutely. Know. Now, a question we love to ask on our podcast is if you could sit down and have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? It would be Dolly Parton. Oh, I'll tell you why. (laughs) I'll tell you why. She's a smart, smart woman because she has created this legacy for herself. She has been in the spotlight for 50 plus 60 years now. So she's been able to maintain 
through every single trial and tribulation over the last, let's say, 60 years, through pre-internet days, internet days, social media, she does e-com, music, business investor. She has a specific look, and that look was by design. You know, she'll she says, like, if you ever watched her like documentary or read any of her books, she's like, I know I look like a clown. But she said, I do that for a reason. People think that I'm dumb, but I just do that to trick them, you know? So like she, she's a very, very smart businesswoman and she knows how to work things by design and not just marketing, but she knows how to brand herself. So I think she would be super interesting. Yeah. That'd be really interesting. We have to make that happen. Yes, I know. Well, actually, um, one of Andy's friends is business partners with her and something. So I guess. So there you go. So this will be the push you needed to make that happen. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, I just want to meet her. Like, make me like plan something so I can just happen to show up and meet her. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep us posted. <laughs> yes, I will. Oh, please, I'll be posting that stuff all over social <laughs> if I ever get to meet her. <laughs> and now, for anyone who was listening to the podcast and wants to either reach out to you or possibly attend one of your women workshops, what's the best place to reach you at or connect with you? The best place is Instagram. It's just at Emily Frisella. And then I have like the link in my bio for everything for like the women in business stuff, the planners, anything from there. But the one-stop shop is Emily Frisella. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We both learned so much from our conversation with you and we're sure that everyone is going to get really great value from it. No, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on our episode with Emily Frisella. Emily shared so much valuable insight with us on the true life of a successful entrepreneur and gave us an accurate depiction of the challenges that entrepreneurs endure on a daily basis. Emily also discussed the importance of discipline in all areas of life and why taking care of ourselves and our needs will allow us to more effectively reach our full potential. As always, if you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.